This is Molly Hemingway, encouraging you to listen to my favorite podcast, Issues, etc. Every day you get in-depth interviews with host Todd Wilkin asking expert guests substantive, thought-provoking questions on all of the important news and issues of our day. The expert guests are in culture, law, ethics, philosophy, theology, and apologetics. Expert guests, expansive topics, always extolling Christ, issues, etc. Moments ago, the U.S. Senate advanced the Respect for Marriage Act, clearing the way for the bill's final passage in the chamber this week. It was a vote of 62 to 37. The senators agreed to end debate, and the bill will go forward. Twelve Republicans joined all 50 members of the Democratic caucus to vote in support of this bill, surpassing the 60 votes that are needed to avoid a filibuster. So, all other things being equal... The Respect for Marriage Act will become law after the president signs it. What does that mean for children? Joining us to discuss the Respect for Marriage Act and children, Katie Faust. She's founder and director of the Children's Rights Organization, Them Before Us. She's co-author of the book, also called Them Before Us. And a recent column for the Daily Signal titled, Democrats' Respect for Marriage Act Would Hurt Children. Katie, welcome back. Thanks for having me again, Todd. Are you surprised at all that former President Trump did not mention the Respect for Marriage Act in his lengthy speech last night, given the fact that the Senate is poised to vote on it within an hour or two? It doesn't surprise me, because honestly, he was waving the rainbow flag in the primaries. Thank God he has had strong pro-life actions. But when it comes to marriage and family, he has not been a champion for marriage as an institution centered around the well-being of children. So it doesn't surprise me that this wasn't on his radar. And it's too bad because this is where the fight is right now. And Republicans and conservatives need to get this right. What concerns you most about the Respect for Marriage Act? It disregards the rights of children. A lot of emphasis from a lot of fantastic conservative pro-family organizations have been focusing on the religious liberty concerns around the Respect for Marriage Act, rightly so, because this will absolutely make it even more difficult for people to live out their convictions and hold fast to the reality that marriage is the union of a man and a woman for life. But very few of them are talking about the harm to children, and this absolutely will harm children. It'll double down on the harms inflicted on children through Obergefell when the Supreme Court legalized gay marriage in 2015. Did that decision, Obergefell, take children into account? You know, it's interesting, in preparation for writing the column for the Daily Signal, I went back and I read the exchanges during oral arguments between a few of the liberal justices and the lawyer that was defending natural marriage, and they made the argument that actually this is what kids need, right? Kids need gay marriage because a lot of these same-sex couples have children and don't those children also deserve the protection of marriage? And so at least in oral arguments, some of that was taken into account, but they got it wrong. They thought that marriage was going to help kids when the reality is gay marriage harms kids, even kids with same-sex parents. How does same-sex marriage, you say it requires child loss? What do you mean? 
Yeah. Well, you know, I contrast in the piece that I wrote for the Daily Signal. I say, if marriage is just about with whom you share love and connection, then there may be no difference between two men who are married and a man and a woman who are married. But from the perspective of the child, these two couplings are polar opposites, right? The child who is the product of the married man and woman, they get 100% of mother's love, 100% of father's love every day. They get 100% of their biological heritage and kinship network. They get the complementary benefits of mothering and fathering. And they have the best we can find in humanity protection of both biological parents raising them. But the child who is being raised by the two men, they are going to lose the benefits conferred only by mothers, both in the form of maximizing their development, but also filling their longing for maternal love. They're going to lose at least 50% of their heritage. And they are always going to have at least one parent who is raising them who statistically increases the likelihood of abuse and neglect because biology simply provides a level of protection that a desire to parent or intent to parent does not provide. And so children are required to lose something they have a fundamental right to, their own mother and father, to be in a same-sex married home. And that's an injustice. How would you respond to someone who says, well, it's a same-sex marriage act. It's not a same-sex adoption act. Yes. Well, what we learned through Obergefell is that redefining marriage redefines parenthood. And that is what's happened for the last seven years. Many of us made the case, myself included, at the time when the Supreme Court was considering gay marriage, that if you make husbands and wives optional in marriage, mothers and fathers will become optional in parenthood. And that's exactly what has happened. Two years after Obergefell, the Supreme Court ruled on, ruled on a case called Pavan versus Smith, where they said that two married women could be on their child's birth certificate as parents, legally erasing the child's father at the moment of birth, all in the name of non-discrimination, right? So this right to marry has legally transformed into a right to parenthood, often through procuring children through sperm, egg, and womb rental or purchase, sometimes through adoption, as you see different states that are arguing or changing their laws to say, married couples, men or women, or two women or two men, should be treated equally in the adoption process. So a right to marriage has very quickly turned into a right to children. And when same-sex married couples, that means a right to deprive child of their mother or father in the name of non-discrimination. In that vein, how does Obergefell erase fathers legally? Well, what we see is now that we have this presumption, right, this insistence in law that there can be no distinction between two men who are married and a man and a woman who are married, those pairings have to be treated exactly equal in law. And so now what we see is we see two women or two men arguing that, hey, if a married couple is going to have their fertility treatments covered by insurance, then the insurance company should have to cover my fertility treatments between two men or two women. Now, there is an inherent difference there, right? The two men and the two women who are going through infertility treatments very likely, very often are going to produce a child even through these technological processes that are still going to be united with their own biological parent. But in the name of non-discrimination, now we've got laws that insist that fertility companies or even there's proposals to have this subsidized by taxpayer dollars to fund 
third-party reproductive services for same-sex couples. And so, in the name of non-discrimination, we are creating motherless and fatherless children, sometimes using tax subsidies and often using insurance coverage. So, we have moved very quickly from, well, this is just two people and their private business in their own bedroom to, no, now you're going to pay to create motherless and fatherless children. How do you respond to those who assert that the studies have shown that children of same-sex couples are no worse off? Well, I talk in the article about how that was a miraculous finding. Miraculous because there is near unanimous agreement among social scientists that children of divorce and remarriage, children who are abandoned and subsequently adopted, or children created through sperm or egg donation are all disadvantaged, right? All of those paths lead to diminished outcomes for kids, even if the child ends up being raised in a mother-father household. And yet, these no-different studies show no difference in children, even though the children cannot arrive in a same-sex-headed household except through divorce and remarriage, or except through abandonment and adoption, or except through third-party reproduction. And they don't have a mother and father in the home. So this no difference finding, which you'll find everywhere in conversations around same-sex parenting, it absolutely defies everything else that we know about children and the social science findings that are unanimously accepted. And so the reality is those findings, those studies are methodologically flawed. And we've had several people do analysis of those studies and show, yes, indeed, they did cut corners And that was the only way they could arrive at those no-difference conclusions. What do reputable studies show about the real outcomes for children of same-sex couples? Yes. Once you use really robust methods for social science, like large sample sizes or adequate control groups or using population data versus recruited samples, which was the most common way of populating these different studies, what you find is unsurprising that these kids don't fare as well, and especially that they have much higher rates of emotional struggles, ADHD diagnoses, higher rates of depression. And so it really should not be surprising because these kids are missing out on a biological parent who is statistically the safest, most invested in, and most connected to their children. And they are missing out on the maternal or paternal love that maximizes their development and satisfies their heart. So it should be no surprise that when you actually use the gold standard of the scientific method to evaluate outcomes for these kids, that they're just not doing very well. Katie Faust is our guest. We're talking about the Respect for Marriage Act and children. Among those reputable studies... Was there a difference for children of unmarried same-sex couples versus married same-sex couples? This is Molly Hemingway, encouraging you to listen to my favorite podcast, Issues Etc., Every day, you get in-depth interviews with host Todd Wilkin asking expert guests substantive, thought-provoking questions on all of the important news and issues of our day. The expert guests are in culture, law, ethics, philosophy, theology, and apologetics. Expert guests, expansive topics, always extolling Christ, issues, etc.
Join Lutherans for Life in Washington, D.C., Thursday, January 19th through Saturday, January 21st, 2023. Go to lutheransforlife.org to learn more about LFL's Conference for Adults, LFL at the March, and the Y for Life Youth Conference in Washington, D.C. The registration deadline is December 15th. Lutherans for Life, equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life. Lutheransforlife.org. Talk radio for the thinking Christian. You're listening to Issues Etc. As we prepare for the Advent season this year, it's time for some contemplation. Your Christmas are from the 80s. They're made of styrofoam, the glitter has dropped off, and they're being held together with toothpicks. Don't celebrate another Christmas hearkening back to the age of glitter balls. See Ad Crusom's beautifully designed Christmonds together with our book describing how they fit into the church here. Visit adcrusom.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com. What is eternal life? How do you understand it? How do you imagine it? We're full of all sorts of ideas of what eternal life might be like. And yet the scriptures are clear. Eternal life centers on Christ and him crucified for the sins of the world. The November issue of the Lutheran Witness explains some of these misconceptions about eternal life and what the scriptures say. So to learn more, pick up your copy of the November issue of the Lutheran Witness. Visit witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, teaching you to interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about the Respect for Marriage Act and its harm to children with Katie Faust of the Children's Rights Organization, Them Before Us. The Advent and Christmas seasons are approaching quickly. Beautify your church with Ad Crusom's Advent and Christmas banners. Learn more at adcrusom.com, A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M.com. Katie, you were talking about the more reputable studies regarding the harm for children with same-sex parents. In those reputable studies, is there a difference for the children of unmarried same-sex couples versus married same-sex couples. Yes, and you know that's an important point because a lot of people made the argument where, oh, well, if these kids of same-sex parents are disadvantaged, it's because they don't have the benefit of having married parents, right? So once their parents can marry and have whatever social acceptance that goes along with that or certainly the stability that marriage provides, which it absolutely does, that would take care of any disparity. And yet the few studies that we have that compares outcomes between kids with cohabiting same-sex parents versus married same-sex parents show that the kids with married same-sex parents fare worse than the same-sex parents who are simply living together, which is a stunning finding, except when you think that actually children have a right to their mother and father, long for, benefit from, being raised by their own mom and dad. And then you see, well, those studies actually make sense because the kids living with cohabiting same-sex parents very likely still have some contact with their missing parent, right? Maybe they're seeing their father on the weekends, or maybe they're able to see their mother every now and then because it was the product of like a heterosexual relationship that broke up, and now one of their parents has repartnered with somebody of the same sex. So they're not totally cut off from their missing parent. But when the child is raised by married same-sex parents, there's a very good chance that their absence parent has been cut off absolutely or 
cut off completely legally with no legal access to the child anymore. Professor Sullins, who was the researcher who conducted that study, his hypothesis is the longer kids are with their same-sex parents, the greater the harm, and that children living with married same-sex parents have probably been with in that household longer than kids with cohabiting same-sex parents. So there is a lot of research to be done. There really should be robust studies that are really digging into this since we are experimenting with the lives of children. But right now, what we see is same-sex marriage is not good, not good for children in general, and certainly not even good for the kids who have same-sex parents. So how would the so-called Respect for Marriage Act make protecting children's rights even more difficult than it is already? Well, right now, what we had was, in many ways, I don't want to say an illegitimate finding on behalf of the court, but it used the same shoddy reasoning that Roe used to determine that children do not have a right to life. Well, Obergefell, in essence, determined that children do not have a right to their own mother and father. It took us 50 years to overturn Roe, but Roe was, at least on a federal level, never codified legislatively in law. Now, you could make an argument for both of those, that neither of those should be federally legislated, that both of them are states' rights issues. But what we're looking at today is we are looking at a nationwide legal codification of same-sex marriage, which literally, let the reader understand what that means is children do not have a right to their own mother and father. That is what same-sex marriage did on a judicial level. It will simply be reinforced on a legislative level. It is saying, hey, kid, you don't have a claim to your own mom and dad. You are simply an object and an item to be cut and pasted into any and every adult relationship. You've got no legal or judicial standing to say otherwise. And to me, this is just a national form of gaslighting, right? These kids um, who are going to experience higher levels of emotional distress, one study found like a greater incidence of daily fearfulness and crying. What are these kids supposed to do? They're going to look around and there's going to be no legal or judicial markers that say, hey, that you're missing a mom or dad as a problem. What they're going to learn from this kind of legislation is I am wrong for having these feelings, not the law isn't wrong for saying I shouldn't have a mom or dad. It's me. I'm wrong for wanting a mom or dad. If you had a few minutes with Republican lawmakers supporting the Respect for Marriage Act, what would you say to them? I'd say, do you think that it's a problem that there's really no federal government institution that even dares to say that children should have a mother and father? Have you noticed that since we judicially passed same-sex marriage, that There's no government organization that will even say children, not that they have a right to their mother and father, not that they need their mother and father, but that they should have a mother and father. Do you think that's strange? Do you think it's a problem? It is a problem. It's a problem for children because they naturally want it. They need it. They deserve it. They have a right to it. So why is it that our law and our government institutions are so either legally bound or afraid to state this fundamental truth about childhood? Why is that? And is it a problem? And if it is a problem, then do something about it. Do something about it by rejecting these forms of marriage that make it impossible to tell the truth about who children are and what they need. And that is what the Respect for Marriage Act does. It needs to be rejected if you care about children at all. Katie Faust is founder and director of the Children's Rights Organization, Them Before Us. 
She's co-author of the book, also called Them Before Us, and a recent column for the Daily Signal titled Democrats' Respect for Marriage Act Would Hurt Children. You can read it and purchase Them Before Us at our website, issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Katie, thank you. Thanks for having me. We'll be talking about the impact of the Texas heartbeat law with Dr. Michael New of the Charlotte Lozier Institute on the other side of the break. And then Dr. Curtis Giese joins us to begin a series on the opponents of Jesus. We'll begin with the Pharisees. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc., is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of His family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I say yes to God in His ways. What makes Christ our Savior Lutheran Church in Freeburg, Illinois, so special? Our new members talk about the family atmosphere, the welcoming people, and the outstanding music. But most importantly, you'll be confronted with your sin and comforted with the assurance that Jesus has removed that sin so that you can live each day as his baptized and forgiven child. Christ our Savior Lutheran Church is at 612 North State Street in Freeburg, Illinois. Sunday worship is at 9 a.m., Sunday school and Bible classes at 1020 a.m. Call 618-539-5664. What can we learn from our Lutheran forefathers on how to face the challenges of a culture openly hostile to Christianity? Pastor Matt Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, has written a column for the latest Issues Etc. journal titled For Such a Time as This. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. You'll also find Pastor Will Whedon's article on the monthly Psalter, the free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org.